Hi folks, I hope this finds you well. 26th of June, we are slap bang in the middle of summer blockbuster season. So we are, well, fingers crossed because nothing is really recorded yet, but we're hoping to bring you a fun-filled couple of weeks with some pretty lovely names to celebrate all these wonderful films. Stay tuned, loads on the way, uh, including the fact that we will have uh, another episode for you this week. Charlie Brooker talking Black Mirror, which was a I loved having this conversation with Charlie, but that is all on the way. Also, uh, just to throw ahead, 26th of June, Monday, as I'm recording this, I'm slightly giddy because I'm off tonight to host the premiere of Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny. I've seen the film. It's beautiful. It's action packed. It's emotional. It's kind of got both of those things that I expected and hoped and kind of knew that James Mangold would bring to the table. Uh, And that is everything that we expect from an Indiana Jones movie, but with a kind of heightened emotional character story. If you think about what he did with Logan, imagine that he's done that on top of an Indiana Jones film and kind of gives you an idea of how beautifully he's positioned it. So James Mangold, fingers crossed on the way. I'm doing the premiere tonight and then hopefully recording with James tomorrow. And we'll bring that to you next Monday. But, oh, Bit of a legend alert for you right now as we welcome the genius that is Wes Anderson to soundtracking. Wes's latest offering is, it's really difficult to describe in a few words and I really don't want to spoil any of it for you. But suffice to say, it's laugh out loud funny in parts and hugely emotional in others. Features a terrific ensemble cast and once again, sees him work with composer Alexandra Displa. Before we get to um, a cue from Alexandra, just to say that I was, I've, I've spoken to Wes once before and I continue to be very excited by him as a creative and I'm a big fan, really. And I think that kind of comes across. This might not be the most kind of in-depth conversation that I've ever done on the podcast. And that's probably because I was actually fangirling out and couldn't quite believe I was sat there. I had so much stuff. You ever get that where you've got so many things you want to ask and you, but you can't really form a question? So I did my best with this because I was, I was really nervous. I was really nervous and really excited to get the chance to chat to him. But we'll begin with one of Alexandre Desplat's beautiful cues, a bewildering and bedazzling celestial mystery. Thank you. 
Wes, congratulations on this film, first of all. Thank you very much. It was much. just wonderful being transported to, to this world, which weirdly, there are familiar elements to it. There are things that you, I don't you feel safe, but you take us on an adventure. I hope you take that as a compliment because yes. it's meant as one. I, I do. When you're writing, do you write with music? I sometimes have music in mind. I don't think I have music playing during actual actual writing writing, but um, but often I have music in mind uh, during the writing periods. Did you have a clear idea of what sonically this film would sound like? Because I've had the I've had the joy of spending some time with Mr. Alexander Desplat and talking to to him, you know, about this relationship that goes back to Fantastic Mr. Fox and yes. and and working with him on that. But do you have an idea of how sonically you you hear the, the film? I would say probably not. Mm-hmm. I think you know. Some I, I think um, it, often with Alexander, I, you know, we, there's something he makes. He starts doing sketches. We might talk about something. We might talk about some instruments. Yeah. Or he might say that what he what he thinks the music needs to accomplish for the movie, even before it's be, sometimes before there's before there's anything shot. Yeah. He might say from the script something. But I would say, you know, writing, it's usually about the words. Yeah. I think until, until, until it gets a bit further along. Who or what or where did your journey with Asteroid City start? I think, well, the first, it started with, with Roman Coppola and I. We wanted to write a, a, a role for Jason Schwartzman. That was the, really the beginning, was to write something for Jason. And so the character... Initially, in fact, I think he was a playwright, the character, and then he became, he grew, he evolved into what we have in the movie. He's a war photographer, but it was always really just what are we going, what are we going to make for Jason to play? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Is he easy to write for then? Is he fun to write for? Well, the I think the reason that aside from the fact that he's Roman's cousin and he's my <laughs> old friend, yeah. there's uh, it was I think it's because we've seen we know him we know what he's capable of the range of things he's capable of which is very broad and yeah. he's a very inventive person um, and he, we just knew there were all kinds of things that he hasn't had the chance to do there still are because in fact what we end up doing in the movie we wrote a character that's different from something he, from from what he's played before i think but it's a very particular thing mm. it's not a movie where he's doing all kinds of a ra- range of different uh i mean he does do he does have a there's a there are two versions of his character yeah, there's yeah. a there's a role of an actor and then there's a role then there's the, the character the actor plays mm. that are within the movie and those are different those kind of are different from each other but jason is is uh, has is so kind of eclectic and uh and what the, what we have in the movie is is something is a character who's really kind of in a way is quite insular mm-hmm. i uh, also a very good drummer jason yes i saw his band many years ago when oh, they really? played london at the hackney empire Planet. yeah yeah he's a very good drummer does he still drum well, you know, he's, he makes music. Yeah. So when he makes music, he, I think he sort of does it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't, I cannot say that I've seen him pick up a pair of drumsticks in, in a decade. In a very long time. A, a very long time. But what I have seen is, he'll, if, is, if, is I've seen him walk into a room and sit down at the piano. That he does. You know, he's, he's one of those people, if, if it can play a tune, he can make it play the tune. Yeah. Yeah. The way that Alexander has, has, has written the music, the score for, for this film, because there are different sides to the music within the film, which is wonderful. But it's got a real kind of almost wind-like kind of quality to it in a way. And the way that it kind of 
works between the worlds in a way, you know, and, and it's it's very delicate and it's kind of sort of most twinkly in a way as well. Yes. When you had those discussions about what the kind of musicality of it, because it is quite, it sounds quite simple and I imagine it wasn't that simple or easy to get into that point. It is. I mean, I think wind is something he, I, he said, I think, at some point, you know, yeah. he thought it needed to be the air around the movie. And it, it didn't really want a complex score. It wanted, in fact, something very Spartan. Yeah. And so we were kind of figuring out how do we, what, do we, what, is, it, what, is, it, what is it doing? And it was definitely music that was more about creating an, a mood intention and not about not so much about scoring what's yeah. happening mm -hmm. but more about the about setting the stage and just keeping a, a a kind of keeping us on the edge this song at one point he just played started playing a two note i think he called it an ostinato nice. on, on the piano <laughs> and he just played this part and, and we built the whole, and the whole thing is built around a two note repeated ding da ding da ding da ding da ding that's all it is But one thing that's, that I've gotten to experience working with Alexander is when he thinks in terms of the orchestra, all, he, he thinks in melodies. Mm -hmm. And so when he, when he writes parts for different instruments or different sections of the orchestra, he, he writes melodically for them, but he also writes for how they fit together in a room, you know, yeah. on a stage. He, and... The, the part he'll write for woodwinds or for for a clarinet is completely different from the, for the part that he's going to write for a glockenspiel or something <laughs> yeah. um and um and he has a real sense of instruments when he writes for when he writes a part for horns it's always something uh, oh i see and I've taken apart a lot of his music. Yeah. I, I work with a music editor and i first of all i watch him do it i've seen him add parts one by one and um and in the case and, and the thing is in the case of a movie like this the the music he's done for this it has a simplicity i can follow what he's doing sometimes the the orchestrations are more complex and i i'd really have to you know I really, i'm not sure i really would understand what's happening sort of in with yeah. with chords and modalities or whatever it's, yeah this uh, it's just very striking to see it happen yeah Thank you. 
And then you have that kind of wonderful kind of marriage of there's uh, last train to San Fernando in there. You know, that is a choice. But then also working with Jarvis, which is not the first time that you've worked worked with Jarvis, who I just saw perform at the weekend at the Isle of Wight Festival. Oh, you did? Yeah. So great. Yes. And the production on that set that Garth did as well was yes. phenomenal. And did, maybe they filmed it? Uh, I think they're filming one this week, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I just, it, been, oh my yeah. God, so good. Yes. But yeah, t- first of all, you know, Jarvis and, and kind of working again with Jarvis on this film and what was the ask? Because it's part of the narrative. It's part of, you know, what he's done and what he's written is, is for a character. It's kind of in there. Yes. And well, you know, we have Jarvis. Jarvis is a... Uh, Cowboy in the movie, which <laughs> Love is that. yeah, kind of unusual thing. Um, and um, and there's a song that that's performed in the movie, which Jarvis really made it into a song. Mm-hmm. And he, he with Richard Hawley, his his uh, his colleague, they they kind of taught the group to play it. One, two, three. Holy D. They're really on heaven. Thin and skinny, about six foot seven. Don't we know you ain't our brother or your friend or foe or other? Papa wants to skip on two dance face with hat lady. Bounce on four, swing on three, left face with hat lady. But then there's another song that Jarvis wrote or that they wrote together, I think, uh, that's played, that's in the end credits of the movie. And that one was totally un- unknown to me until he said, well, I did something here. Um, <laughs> Here's so, a gift. Yes. And we, and so I thought, well, this will be good. We'll, we'll use this. <laughs> we'll use this. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't fall in love and land on your feet You won't smell the roses if you never plant a seed And you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep Yeah, can't make an entrance
I, I also have Jarvis in, uh, and in something else I did uh, more recently. Um, so for uh, so an, an adaptation of some Roald Dahl stories, shorts, yeah. yes. And Jarvis sort of appears now and then all through these things in different characters, and he made a a, a song for that too, a sort I, of song. I don't know what you'd call it. I think he needs to maybe it's you, maybe you're the person to give him that opportunity to take on a, a proper role in something, yeah. Because he's definitely. He's got it in him, I think. Watching him on stage over the weekend, you know, in terms of the, the character that he creates on stage, and you can't take your eyes on him. He's so charismatic and so yes. so wonderful and physical as well in his performance. Well, did you see the one at the, what is it called, the Barbican? Oh, yeah. The no, I didn't room, see that, but I heard about it. I think it's called Room 129. Was yeah. What it was the Chateau Marmont one. Um, and that one was almost like a theater piece. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it, with Chili Gonzalez that they did it together. Um, but, um, but Jarvis, there was a lot of sort of spoken word aspect to it and the songs. Um, and yes, it was really, it, yeah, it was, he was an actor as much as he was, mm. he was a performer in every which way. I think maybe the Wes Anderson musical starring Jarvis Cocker would be a... Be good, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about The Last Train to San Fernando, though, and because and, that track in itself has got a wonderful story in terms of its inspiration for, for musicians, you know, kind of years past when it was first originally released. But for you to use it within your film, what was well, that? The, well, yes, I think Last Change of San Fernando, I think it's a sort of Calypso song that then it's become something like a, an American country music sort a of thing. skiffle type thing, yeah. Well, then it becomes skiffle. Yeah. Then it becomes English. Um, I mean, it's, that's it, it, it's odd because much of our American regional music in the movie is performed by English uh, musicians. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we have Dusty Springfield um, and, um, and you know, the song at the end of the movie called uh, Freight Train, near the end of the movie, this is also, it's also an, an, uh, an English version of this. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train, going so fast I don't know what train he's on Won't you tell me where he's gone? Don't know where he's heading for What he's done against the law Got no future, got no hope just nothing but the road I, that song I know because my daughter listened to it on her, on a children's record. Um, so I, I just liked it from I never heard it before. I, I heard her listening to it, so I thought I think I, I think I have a place for that. Did the song then inspire what you wrote around it in terms of, you know, how did it then adjust where it would be in the film? Did it 
Did it influence kind of a, you know a bit of a no, rewrite, I, or was it just perfect? I just think for I the... thought. Well, I'm, I think I, I think I, I think I just must have said I'll use this for the, for train coming into this town, <laughs> crossing the desert. It's perfect. I liked um, hearing uh, Rupert talk as well about how you said to him, "Oh, can you can you play this live sort of thing?" Yeah. And kind of almost just not taken no for an answer going just keep asking him and by I, the time I, I, he didn't say no <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I said Would, do you play this and he said I, I, was, I will by the time you, you need me to and, and we bought him a lap steel wow the, the performances in, in this are, are, are really beautiful and there's almost you know there's a, there's a beautiful whole story and narrative throughout the film but there's almost kind of little vignettes of things going on as well like I love the moments between Scarlett and Jason across the windows. Those moments are just, it's like a little film in itself, you know, in terms of the chemistry and the, and there's music going on in the background there as well in terms of while that's going on and watching that relationship develop. When you are, when you're filming and with working with your cast, and it was so lovely hearing so many of the cast talk about the atmosphere, the beautiful atmosphere that you create on set. But do you encourage improvisation? Do you encourage play? With your actors and with yes. your scenes. Well, it, these scenes you're talking about in particular, this, with Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, um, they're, they're, they're staying in um, uh, little hotel rooms and little cottages in this desert town, mm. and they're, the windows of the bathrooms face each other. So they, begin, they, they meet from these windows, really. Yeah. Um, and they... Uh, and they keep each day that passes they 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 have another scene between their uh, hotel room windows and i would say i don't think i do anything to create an atmosphere on the set what we had was we had built this real town we'd built yeah. this desert so when we were out there shooting these scenes one thing i do like to do is to sort of have everyone go away so but by the when we're shooting the scenes there's no one there there's jason there's scarlet there's bob yeoman our director of photography there's somebody holding a boom uh and um and everyone else is gone or hidden or they they're they're just not there that first of all helps make it feel like it's really happening yeah and then they have each other and that's the biggest atmosphere creator is jason schwartzman has scarlett johansson and scarlett has jason and they're talking to each other um so um but for me those scenes were like going to a play or something you know all i'm really doing is just being the audience the live audience and they were mesmerizing those two the uh, his children, Jason's children in the film, um, the the little girls in particular, they are extraordinary, and I want a spin off film with just the three of them because they are, they bring so much just honesty that kids do. You know, no filter, no life experience. They just say what they see and they say it as it is. Which, if only you know, as adults we sometimes did ourselves. Yes. Um, how did you get that? Because were they just. I don't know, they look so little and it's the idea of them just coming up with this comedy genius a lot of the time. And Yeah, they're, well, you know... <laughs> Where um, did you find them? They're triplets, first of all. They're real triplets. And I saw, <laughs> I, I, I saw them on just I could see that they were going to be probably impossible to guide, really. <laughs> yeah. And they were, especially when they're together. You can't really do anything about them. They just... <laughs> They just go, um, and they're kind. Of, they were kind of wild, um, but I just couldn't resist having them. So, so we 
it, it, I'll say it's kind of labor intensive um, <laughs> and because, you know, sometimes you just cannot get them to, to, t- to, to take a moment and do the movie. Yeah. There's something going on that's distracting them. And something might happen like some water is spilled on someone's garment and it's disaster. <laughs> we can't work. But we love them. And um, they were, uh, they're very, very young. They're too young to be, to be acting in a movie. Um, and that's why they're so, they're just so uh, uh, memorable. Yeah, even just thinking of them, it just, it makes me kind of laugh from the inside out. They're, they're just well, wonderful. Well, they're real characters, all yeah. three of them. And they're, two of them are identical. And the other one is different. And the identical ones are different. In personality, there's, they're different. They're called Gracie and Ella, but the third one is called Willen, and she's completely different. She's a, she's not really anything like her sisters, um, and she's much more sort of melancholy. And the other two, two sisters are very are quite forceful. Um, so there's really interesting, peculiar chemistry. I'm interested to see where their life where their life goes and what they do in years to come for yes. sure. They, but that's almost kind of similar to what you what you're able to do with the, with this film and the tone of the film, which is so. It's so unique and it's so, it feels so like true to life in a way. You know how sometimes comedy can get us through hard times, through grief, through dark times and things. And that way that, you know, you properly guttural laugh at moments in the film, but then there are some really tender, really emotional moments, you know, within that as well. When you set out to write the film, do you know tonally what you want it to be? Or is that something you find as you're I think find. Okay. I, I do think we I do think we talked about you know one thing I've always said with the actors was I, I want to find we've written this script that's basically a comedy mm-hmm. and that I want them to find every bit of whatever the emotional thing happening in these scenes is I want them to just attach themselves to that however much they can and pull everything out of it that was our plan. I don't really know how you even do that. You can say it, which I did, you yeah. know. And um, but part of it is who you pick to put in the movie and who says yes. And when you get this group together, the cast we have in this movie turned out to be sort of, from from my point of view, kind of staggeringly great. I mean, these actors are so good, and they're and they're so entertaining to watch on the set yeah they're so entertaining to be around during the whole making of the movie they're also they're quite moving um mm-hmm. all these people um and what it, somebody sees the movie just has their own experience but for me watching the movie and for instance at the Cannes film festival which is the first time i saw it with any audience yeah um well, the audience I was with, the three rows I was in were all our cast, which is 18 people were, were there with me for this. And every time one of them entered on the screen, I knew where the person was in relation to where I was sitting. And I could hear the actors murmuring amongst each other and talk, saying little things about it. And they were quite riveted watching themselves. They'd all seen it before. So they were seeing it for the second time, which means a bit less to worry about. Yeah. What did I do? What did I say? How do I look? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead, they're saying, what's the story like and how do we go together? And it was just very moving. I mean, which is, it's not usually fun to go watch a movie at a film <laughs> yeah. festival. It's 
it's nerve wracking. But it was fun because of them. Yeah. Even that ability of someone like Tom Hanks, who, you know, is Tom Hanks and has been in so many amazing films over the years, characters that stick in our lives and our brains. But to see him in a role that, that feels so different and gives him an opportunity to play something in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that he's never played something before, that's an amazing gift to give him as well. Well, I would be hard for me to think of it as me giving him a gift, but you know, I got Tom Hanks, and uh, <laughs> and you know, I've wanted to have, I've wanted to have him in. A, in a, I've been thinking about him for years yeah. to uh, put in a movie, and um, we wrote the part for him. So the so when he said yes, which he said immediately, um, uh, it was you know, I was so excited about it, and then also. He looks like he walks, he's entered from a Norman Rockwell picture, you know. He's really yeah. makes an impression. And he's, and he's iconic. Yeah. Added to which he's very, very good. The guy is a really good actor. <laughs> uh, not surprising, but, uh, you know, I have firsthand experience yeah. with him. I think it's just, yeah, I had such a great, great experience watching the film. I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. And I, I really appreciate your time today. Thank well, you thanks so, so much. much. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks. From a score to Asteroid City, that's Emergency Assembly by Alexandre Desplat, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Wes Anderson. My huge thanks to Wes for taking the time to talk to me. Asteroid City is on general release now. It is absolutely brilliant. I love this film so, so much and I cannot wait to go and see it again. If you'd like to hear my conversations that I've had with Alexandra, head to edithbowman.com where you'll find every single episode of our wee podcast. Follow us on our social channels. We are at Soundtracking UK and we also have a YouTube channel featuring plenty of extra video content. Now we've got a bonus episode for you this week, as I said at the start, with none other than Charlie Brooker. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so that you know the moment that that lands. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Thank you.